before we get into today's episode, let's chat about Jane. Jane is an all-in-one practice management software that can help you manage your practice with a suite of features that makes it easy to meet with individuals, couples, families, and more. I started with Jane about six years ago when I opened up my private practice. I thought about using Jane because I use Jane on the client side for some of the wellness practitioners that I see. And it was so easy to use, I thought maybe I should try this out as a practitioner. And I've loved Jane ever since. Reliability and security are very important parts of running a business, and we know that. So does Jane. Jane's cloud-based software is accessible wherever you have Wi-Fi, and their support team is always ready to lend a helping hand. Jane is PEPIDA compliant, and your data is stored safely in the country you practice in. So no matter where or how you practice, Jane's always with you in the most secure and helpful way possible. You can learn more at jane.app slash mental health. You can also mention the code edgecouch1mo, edgecouch1mo, for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to Season 5 of Edge of the Couch. We are here to create a space to delve into the topics that were either shied away from or dismissed because they were too big, too nuanced, too risky, or too uncomfortable to talk about in school or even supervision. Edge of the Couch is not training or supervision. It is for student therapists, new therapists, and therapists wanting to continue to explore their evolving therapist identities and ways of working. When we are talking about clients, please know we are deeply committed to protecting client confidentiality. We are too passionate therapists and good friends sharing our personal opinions about the therapeutic process. Come join us at the edge of the couch. Hey everyone, welcome back to Edge of the Couch. I'm Jordan Piquel. And I'm Allison McCleary. And today we have a really exciting episode. We have constantly been talking about this, but some of our listeners have asked specifically for this episode, and yes. I think it's going to be really practically, immediately useful. But how have you been, Allison? Sunday now. I've been battling a migraine since Friday evening. I feel actually really good right now, so I'm hoping that sticks around. But it's really stressful when my weekend was going to be dedicated to working on my dissertation, and then I like really couldn't yesterday. And also my partner wouldn't let me. He was literally like, you have to rest. You're not allowed to do anything. So I just laid on the couch and did nothing, which is good for resting and hard for getting work done. But uh, it just stresses me out because I have an impending deadline. I'm trying just to remember that like when you won't take a break, your body will make you. So That's right. Body says no. And I'm also feeling really excited because we dropped our first episode this uh, week for the season and it went super well and the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, it's always exciting to start a new season and think about what the season will look like. We don't really have an outline. Well, we don't have an outline. We have a list of things that people have requested and then we meet Sunday morning and go, hmm, what do you feel like talking about today? Yes. Yes. How have you been, Jordan? Again, it's still spring break. I think I've talked about that before on one of the podcasts or one of the episodes. And um, actually this week, I'm going to be putting some of my learning into practice in terms of the training that I've done recently, the psychedelic assisted training. So if you are on Patreon, then you know all about my journey around that. So I highly encourage you to join Patreon where you can really hear all of my thoughts Yes. About this type of work. Uh-huh. It's very like up and coming, emerging. I think Vancouver in some ways being at the bit of a forefront for Canada. 
mm-hmm. um, in yeah. terms of making that, taking it from theory to practice. And it's exciting for you to be involved in it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting more experience and just, yeah, getting the felt sense of what it's like to be with people doing this type of work. I found that I am tripping up over my words. Yeah. Right. People who have done EMDR training probably notice that because the the language is I'm not used to talking in, about these concepts, and so it's new. Yeah. Right, and it's very specific. Like the EMDR spiel is very specific. I imagine this spiel is very specific. Like you want to hit certain points and say mm-hmm. it certain ways. Yeah, and I think that that is a great segue into what we're talking about today, <laughs> which is. Use of metaphor. I'm so Because new therapists, a lot of the language of being a new therapist is new. How do you talk about, you know, psychological concepts? How do you talk Mm -hmm. with clients about the therapeutic process and what's coming up? What are they bringing, the issues and content that they're bringing to the therapy space? And use of metaphor is big in developing that, that language. So true. And even as we kind of were preparing for the episode today, we realized that so much of even just the foundational speech around therapy is like analogical or analogous and analogous, analogous and metaphorical that like it's even talking about going deep and grounding in the theory and like all of these things that are just like basic ways to talk about therapy Holding space. Oh my gosh, holding space. That's metaphor and analogy. And Mm -hmm. so we want to build off of that foundation that already exists and talk about why metaphor and analogy is so powerful in therapy, how we use it, and and ways that you can use it to do really effective therapy with your clients. Yeah, I don't think that there's any type of therapy that doesn't use metaphor. Good therapy needs metaphor. And we were saying even the most con- – even the therapy's most co- like rooted in concrete because we kind of did this. We were like, okay, what are the therapies that don't use metaphor? And we couldn't think of them. Maybe you as listeners can think of them. But even things like CBT, which I think leans more into like, oh, this is much more concrete. They're still using like sunglass analogies and mag- you know, magnifying glasses and wheels, hands, right? It's like even in the most – uh, manualized therapies. The manual is chock full of these images and and concepts that are metaphor and analogy, which is really fun, I think, but also as a reminder that it's hard to do therapy without those things. I, I would argue impossible <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Even as you said earlier that some clients, metaphor works really well, images work mm-hmm. really well, and some clients really struggle with some of the images and whether or not they resonate with them. And I would say that it's about finding the right metaphor, one that is accurate to what their experience is. Let's talk about why using metaphor and using analogy can be so useful in a therapy session with a client. We use metaphor for so many different purposes. We might use it to explain complex concepts around psychoeducation, to accurately communicate their experience of, Mm -hmm. let's say, depression, what healing looks like, what else might we use it for? Creating senses of safety, which maybe is part of the psychoeducation piece, but around like safe container or a comforting mm-hmm. place. Those are some of the ways that we use metaphor. 
I think that therapy in itself is actually like the the words that we use and the concepts can be really ambiguous and like they're kind of this like upper level way of talking about things. And so not that our clients aren't bright and can't go there with us, but sometimes it's just easier for everyone to kind of use a metaphor or an analogy to take these concepts that are really big and sometimes like so vast, we're kind of like, oh, I don't know how to make sense of this. Um, and use a metaphor. And I think that, as you've said, when a client says something to us like, I've been feeling down or I'm upset or I had a, I had an exam, I had a breakdown. I think that one happens a lot. And I'm like, I don't know what you mean by that. What do you mean when you say that thing? Having a shared metaphor or analogy means that as two people who are coming in from completely different backgrounds, you saying, I think the one that you gave, which is so great, is, you know, it feels like I have an elephant. It feels like I have an elephant sitting on my chest. Right away, it's like, oh, I know. I have a way better sense of what you mean now when you say, Mm -hmm. I've been having a really hard week because I can imagine what it feels like to have an elephant sit on my chest in a way that I can't imagine I've had a really hard week for you. Like, what does that mean? And so I think there's shared vocabulary that gets established between the client and the and the therapist when we are in metaphor, when we are in analogy that helps to deepen understanding and closeness, attunement. When our client says something in, in metaphor and then we get it, we are amping up attunement and we are amping up alignment. And it's like, oh, I can see now what you mean when you say that. I encourage people to put those metaphors into your notes. Because for me, of course, there's legal, ethical parts of note-taking. But the the main purpose for me in doing notes is for memory recall. Yes. And so to write what metaphors we use, because I want to get the exact language. Mm-hmm. Sometimes somebody might talk about being on a bike versus being on a car, and I want to use the same language each yes. time. Oh my gosh, when a client will give you a metaphor, like stay there, use exactly how they said it. It feels like this. Write that in your notes, keep track of it because you can use that metaphor now forever. You can use it as a barometer, like, hey, how much does it feel like you're on a bike? How fast are you traveling on that bike? Mm-hmm. Are you pedaling uphill? Or, you know, and then the that you can share that in like what's gonna help you feel like you get to a bit of like flat land on your bike or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. So it is really a gift when a client will offer you um uh, this feels like a, and then they fill in the blank. Ooh. remember it, use it. Yes. Mm -hmm. For new therapists, it's an invitation to use non-clinical language that actually in sometimes in our imposter syndrome, we kind of beef up our (laughs) jargon when really using more metaphor and more images can be more resonant with clients that you don't have to know like all of these concepts. You can just use kind of an intuitive language of metaphor and images that clients can get right away. And as a new therapist, I often felt like I didn't really understand a lot of what is depression and how do we how do we describe that to clients and what is healing? How do I make sense of what therapy is? And so the metaphors are useful for our clients to avoid jargon, but also for me. Like I have found that the the metaphors that I have developed in my therapeutic work have helped me so much to understand what I mean when I'm talking about things. Mm -hmm. But they're also, for me, metaphors can be so helpful. Even how you think about your own therapy, because 
putting aside theoretical orientation, which I think does play a huge part in this. Yes. Some people might say that their therapy is more like, I'm a guide on this journey. Sure. Or I'm somebody who holds space for you. I'm a, a sort of a, what's it called when they bounce ideas off of? Like I'm a sounding board. You might say I'm a sounding board. I might be a cheerleader, fellow traveler, fellow traveler, yes. and that love it. Like being able to articulate that to clients. Mm-hmm. If you start to realize, mm-hmm. oh, they're wanting a coach, and I'm more of somebody who just holds space for somebody, a silent observer or something. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not a sounding board. That it can be very mm-hmm. important to articulate that to clients so that they can find somebody that is a better fit for what they're looking for so incredible as we talk about this, like the power of this, because I feel so incredibly energized and we've been talking for like 13 minutes. Like there is something about that is so fun and like engaging about thinking about like, how do I make sense of my job, my role and, and my relationship with clients? And it's so wonderful that we can use analogy and metaphor and story and these kind of symbols to make sense of that. Yeah. And clients can come on board with us. Come on board with us immediately. Come on board. Well, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing, I think. So sometimes it's the client has developed the metaphor and we're going to stick right with that language and we're going to really be like, okay, we're going to use this. And sometimes through psychoeducation often, um, when I'm trying to help a client understand what I mean when I say something – I will sometimes present a metaphor or analogy and then I will use that with the, like the client. It will resonate so well that that's the language we'll use for years. Like I'm, oh. I mean literal years. I have people who are talking about feelings are like the weather, which is probably my favorite one. And here we are five years later in our work and we are still using that as like the bouncing off point to talk about really complex things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes too, when we offer a new metaphor – it'll be very clear or a client will just say, all right, that doesn't quite fit. And then it'll be like, okay, what would fit? What's a better way of describing what we're talking about? So you can get more accurately what their experience is and how they understand it. So then you have the shared language. Mm -hmm. It makes such a difference. You know how some clients are kind of swirly and they will like talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I just can't get a, a sense of what they mean. They're saying a lot, but I'm I'm kind of having a hard time tracking to say to them, is there a metaphor here? Is there an analogy? It just helps me so much because then I go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I lost you there for a second. Mm-hmm. And I actually don't know what you mean, which I have such a client's clients will say like, da, 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 da. you know what I mean? And I'll say, no, mm-hmm. I don't actually know what you mean. Can you tell, can you say it to me in a different way? Cause I want to make sure I'm getting it. And so inviting them to think of the image or think of the concept or like whatever we're saying. So helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the best metaphors are something that is shared, something that totally. resonates with both people. I mean, we can use, like you said, mirror the same language that they use. And I hope that ideally it would make sense. To, it resonates with you too. Of like, yeah. okay, I know what it feels like when people talk about that there's a demon on my shoulder. Like I can kind of mm-hmm. get what they're mm-hmm. referring to when they say that. Which is why something that we had talked about is if you are coming up with metaphor, sometimes it's often best to keep it simple and keep it to things that are genuinely like universal experiences. So try not to be like so niche in your metaphor development that you're talking about something that someone's like, I actually 
have never done that. That's why I like to stick with things that are natural seasons, weather, flowers, babies growing, like things that it's like everyone has experienced or has a conceptual understanding of like the, how seasons change. Right. Weather, um, you know, these types of concepts. I think we can sometimes just go too niche with it. I think other common ones that aren't natural are like a car, for example, like parts work. Parts work, you're, who's in the driver's seat, that sort of thing. What are other common ones that are not nature-based? Like it might be about putting puzzle pieces together or, yeah, colors is a good one. Shape. Taking medicine. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh, exercise. I know people use that. That's not my favorite, but people talk about exercise. Totally. Building muscle. Uh, yeah, yeah. The training for a marathon. <laughs> I use that one a lot. I mean, Even though I've never trained for a marathon, it <laughs> makes sense of probably what that would look like. <laughs> but people get, you can get that idea. Um, I think another great use of metaphor, Jordan, is how externalizing it can be. So it takes the thing from kind of swirly inside the client and it pops it out into something that we can see with the client. And the benefit of that is I think it can create emotional distance. Mm-hmm. I now look at that thing instead of feeling like enveloped in the thing. Yes. And that process, I think, helps to reduce shame for the client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that comes from a narrative therapy framework. But I do think mm-hmm. that that's something exactly. that so many of us can use. And it's interesting how you're talking about creating distance because I think with somatic approaches, I think so much of what we're moving towards right now or something that's coming up right now is how to get people squarely in their bodies of experiencing something, mm-hmm. which I think is great. And then there's another important way of working, which is creating distance with something so you can actually look yes. at it. At somebody who's right, so it's not so overwhelming, right? And somatically, yes. yes, we might notice how we feel in our bodies as we talk about this metaphor, but it's taking yeah. it out of this is who you are, and now it's like this. Right. This is something that you're interacting with. Totally. And that's why I really like to use metaphor that I think encourages softening. Like imagining it's this baby, you know, there's a baby of it or something that we would not otherwise feel so charged around. Things like weather. It's like, are you going to stand in the middle of the rain and shake your hand at the rain? Mm. Like if you did, that would just be a time. But can we instead say like, oh, rain is here, right? there Again, there's that what am I trying to say? It's the going to metaphor that encourages the client to soften mm. instead of saying hard to it. That's why we, when we pop it out, we don't necessarily want it to be like something they have to battle. And some clients like those types of analogies mm. and metaphor and that's fine. But I tend to shift away from that unless the client has used that language specifically. That's interesting because I do think that our metaphors are culturally bound I think mm-hmm. obviously gender is like your whole mm-hmm. – all the things that make you you is part of that. And that battling and violence is a very common metaphor that people use. And then I also try to move away from. It's so interesting that you say that and that we're pausing on this. So I don't know if people followed this. And maybe we talked about this. The American Medical Association. Did we talk about no. this? They have moved away from using vernacular and language about like putting up a good fight against cancer mm. and battling – what it was doing to clients who were then dying from their cancer was making them think that they had not fought hard enough. If you just fight, right? Like if you fight Mm -hmm. hard enough, you will conquer your cancer. And that that was a couple of years ago, I think. They kind of put out all of this like PSA and and info around, we're going to shift the way that we talk about 
having a cancer diagnosis and ongoing treatment because it was really shame producing. Mm -hmm. And it was leaving like trickles of shame to the loved ones of the people who had then died from cancer. Did my dad not fight hard enough? Mm -hmm. Similar stuff can come up. Am I not fighting hard enough that I'm still depressed or I'm still anxious or I still think about that thing my mom did to me when I was younger? Why am I not battling this better? Yeah. Very interesting. To me, part of what you're saying is even when clients are bringing a metaphor forward, let's think critically about what is the assumption underlying that metaphor. Totally. If they're battling with their demons or battling with their their family history, it constantly puts them in a place of having to be vigilant, for example, mm-hmm. and strong. And so what would it be like to use different language? And maybe you explicitly talk about this, maybe you just try out different languages, the therapist, and just sort of start introducing and seeing if the client starts to shift their language or their orientation to it. So maybe it's about breaking cycles, which again, is kind of strong language, but it's about, it's a domino effect and we just pull out one domino and it just falls over. Something like that. Yes. Our language makes reality. And so by changing our language, we can actually shift how the person is orienting to what is in front of them. I love everything you said there, Jordan. I think it's so true. Like the language that clients use, the imagery, even the intensity of that image. Mm -hmm. Like when you hear clients talk about blood and battle and like whatever that is. And I have two things that I think come up for me when I hear that. The first being, it's very interesting when I notice when I'm trying to soften the metaphor a bit or shift and a client resists that getting away from battle into domino, maybe for example, or whatever, Mm -hmm. when clients won't go there. And it makes me think about, you know, this kind of no bad parts concept. We aren't splitting things into good and bad. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is hard to have depressive symptoms. Absolutely. But you are not bad or broken for having them. And then battle them as if they are this bad and broken part of you uh, sets you up, I think, to, to have more shame, less kind of self-kindness, less, less compassion, trying to cut off parts of ourselves, which I'm never wanting my clients to do. Mm-hmm. It's a very common metaphor that clients use, especially when they're talking about trauma, is about being broken. I'm broken. And that is one that I constantly am pushing back about and actually downright just, <laughs> it's like just saying, no, no, you're not. no, you're not broken. That's not how this works. And you're not in need of fixing what has happened to you. And I might use, I I don't know that I would pivot so harshly, but I try to use, for example, again, it depends on the context of the relationship and the client, but something that's coming to mind in this moment is about Peter Levine's work around waking the tiger. So thinking about the animal, thinking about yourself as a kind of animal that's experienced, that's survived has found ways of surviving and has shifted in order to survive in the environment that you find yourself in rather than something is broken and you needs to be fixed. Okay, the danger's over and how do we get that into our bodies? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a completely different image. It's not replacing one with with another. It's like a different framework of thinking about it. Theoretical, yeah, totally different theoretical way to think about our heal the healing process or even if we use the word healing like a recalibration mm-hmm. whatever that is that i think shifts the focus of therapy and i'll say i think when we bump into someone who is really dead set on using broken or bad 
we're kind of naming, you can't just immediately pivot to like, no, you're not because they won't come with you Mm -hmm. and then they'll resist it. I think what we need to instead go is sink into like what makes you feel broken and then over time, like what if you're not broken and you're instead, you've instead just adapted as necessary and actually these behaviors are like because you're not broken and the system was working well and you were put in situations you shouldn't have been put in. That's probably much better advice than the way that I actually work, but I I think it's built on a relationship, right? So I'll be like, no, yes. you're not broken. Right. I don't. That's not true. And I'll just say that. And you're right. Like maybe clients don't go with me, but I think it's based on a lot of time where it's like, we're back to you saying right. you're broken because you're not. We both know this. Right. I'm talking like second session. Yeah. You're probably not. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming yes, I'm being yes, like, yes. no, no. <laughs> but I will say that to clients, if I'm in it with yeah. them for months and they go back to that, I'll be like, no, 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 we're not going there. You know, once yeah. I know the relationship is strong. But yeah, there's a way to work with like evolution of metaphor, I guess mm-hmm. we're saying, even within the context of that same client, same therapy, same process, same challenge they're working through that we can shift them from it's this into like, oh, maybe it's actually more like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can use it to mark time. Oh, talking yeah. Talking about Progress. graduating from this particular piece of work yeah. or, you know, we worked on this part of the puzzle or even mm-hmm. uh, one that I use a lot is about layers of healing and how it's like a spiral. And so now it might feel like a similar place because this is a, yes. an old theme that we've worked through before, but this is a new layer and I'll hopefully have an accurate way of describing how it's different. Clients, I think, talk a lot around that exact feeling of like, we're here again. Yeah. Like I've back, I've backslid, right? I'm back to I square hear a one. Lot yeah. Back to square one. Oh my gosh, I hear all the time. And I think that there is value in being like, are you? Yeah. I don't feel that you are because you have more insight. You have different language to talk about it. We've done all this work. I talk about the I haven't used this one in a long time. I'm not doing a ton of therapy right now. We're at the bases in like a ball field. Yeah, it feels hard to get to home base when it took us a long time to get from first to second, but you're not still at first. Yeah. There's value in that. And again, some clients are going to really come with you and be like, oh, yeah. And other clients might be like, well, it feels like I'm at first. Mm-hmm. I feel no, like okay. I'm at square one. I don't know. That's interesting. Like if clients are to go, no, that doesn't resonate, then it is like, okay, there's a different conversation happening here. And how can we unpack Which I think then you pop into process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You pop into process, which is like, huh, I feel myself really wanting to celebrate the the changes I've seen in you. And I feel as if you're not kind of coming along with me. What's going on here? Mm -hmm. You can pop into here and now like, huh. Or just even saying like, well, that didn't land. I can tell. Yes. I can see looking at you. You didn't like that. Yeah. There's this other piece that I love around metaphor and analogy and story and like art, which are all kind of members of the same club. In existential therapy, the fourth kind of domain of therapy is this like cosmological, like the unexplainable about the human experience. And what I really like about metaphors that I, I think it can help clients to shift more into like seeing that stuff, like this other kind of magical, like this human condition and what it is like just to be human sometimes that use of story in that way or like we're using an analogy helps clients to shift into whatever that is, this cosmological place. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We're meaning making. Something that comes through for me as you talk about that is how sometimes it'll be something that actually happens to the person. I keep forgetting things at home. Drove my car off the road accidentally. And so then we start using that as an image. Uh-huh. Totally. They share a dream. Okay, a car comes up in a dream. Cars very, you know, I have car dreams. So it's like 
Are you in the front seat? Are you in the back seat? Is it going too fast? Is it going in the right direction? So you can also pull up images from their own life, actual experiences that they've had, and dreams that can become an image. Absolutely. Totally. A very powerful one. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this will resonate, and I'm not actually even sure if I have a fully-fledged thought about it, but there's something here around the other thing that metaphor does. It orients us to this web of connection. It also, I think, explains the very unique experiences of our clients that differ them from us, right? It's like both a shared and aligned experience, and it kind of like orients them as a unique human being Mm -hmm. having a unique experience. And we can see them in that. To be seen in your symbolic language, to, you know, let's say you're talking about a, the container, like EMDR is one that uses the container metaphor all the time. So it's like, okay, let's imagine all this stuff going into the container. What does the container look like? It's like a shipping container, or it's like a Tupperware, Mm -hmm. or it's like a glass jar. To continually use that feels like the client is being seen feels like it's very relevant and maybe for sure in ways that you can't quite articulate. But having a container that you can see through versus not see through, what feels safe, what feels unsafe is very personal. Uh It's about who the person is and about how the therapy that we do is also unique. Constantly having to pull out of our satchel Mm -hmm. different ways of working and thinking about things depending on the client that you're working with. And when I place myself in the client, like when I place myself on the role of client or in the position of client, and I speak a metaphor that I am using to explain my experience, and the person meets it with like full acceptance mm-hmm. and no no kind of minimizing, no diminishing, just I see you, I get it, there it's like I can speak freely in this space. I can share these parts of myself that – because sometimes people will share metaphor in a way that they think is like, I'm making this do a bigger deal than it is, or Mm. they will be judging their metaphor as they're speaking it. And there's something about just being met with like full acceptance of that metaphorical way of thinking about it, like so much relief if I'm the client. Sometimes I get annoyed with my own mixed metaphors, but when clients, I, I think that that's how we can talk through very totally. complex yes. circumstances and ways that things are put together, tangled together, is to use mixed metaphor because a lot of us can hold multiple metaphors at the same time. So it's like, okay, yeah. this is a tangled mess. Let's pull it one end of the string <laughs> and unfold it or whatever it is. Take out a yeah, magnifying yeah, yeah. glass and... Um, and examine, I don't know, win the game. It's just like, it's funny how <laughs> these different mixed metaphors come up. You might ask, which one of these works better? Or is it more accurate yeah. to hold both? And, and as you say that, it's a great reminder that always, always, always we are checking in with the client. Mm, always. Mm-hmm. So what was it like to hear that? Does this fit for you? Anything you would add to this? Um, does this make sense to you? We're not just throwing out metaphor and assuming that it's landing fine. And it's completely okay if a client doesn't catch it, if they're like, no, I don't like that. Um, and if we have to do a bit of work, which is our job, to find maybe the metaphors that do fit for that client. Yeah. Uh, and we can pull them in and have them be a part of that process. But always doing that here and now processing check-in with the client at the same time. Yeah. I I even ask a a lot of the time when they use a metaphor and then I pick up on it and then I'll say, I notice we're using this car metaphor. Does that feel, you know, does that feel accurate? Does that feel right for you? Yeah. Love that. That's so powerful. 
<laughs> You're very good at therapy, Jordan. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> what do we add here? I'm just like, this is good. This is good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe I'll tell the story that we were like, okay, should we share in this episode like our favorite metaphors to use in therapy? Because that would be so helpful. But then we kind of had this sense of one, they have been built and earned and like we have worked on them and refined them over the last decade. But also that where would we stop? It'd be like, oh, here here are my top hundred metaphors and analogies and like concepts and images. It It just is so... I think if you're a new therapist and you're thinking, well, I don't use a ton yet, I don't know them yet, you will. You will build up your repertoire from clients who are sharing metaphor and analogy with you. You will start to click things into place and go, oh, as my client describes it, it reminds me of this other thing, this much more mm-hmm. concrete thing like da-da-da. And you will begin to build a satchel, if you will, mm-hmm. of metaphors from which you can pull. And, and I think – at this point, like almost everything a client could say to me, I could come up with a metaphor sure. or analogy or a story, you know, because you just get good at it. Yeah, you get good at it. Also, when we're talking about creating unique metaphors for clients, like when I think about having to pull up metaphors that I use, some of it, so much of it is so unique and personal to the to the client <laughs> yes. that it almost makes me feel like even though obviously I'm not disclosing personal information, it's just like, oh, that's their language. That's their yeah, metaphor totally. that we've been using mm-hmm. that's unique mm-hmm. to them. And it feels unfair mm-hmm. to also just be like, oh, and then you can use this with any client. And yes, no, that's a good point. like you said, it's earned, deeply, it's personal. relational, it's unique, it's personal to this particular client. And um, yes. while there's some, you know, the car metaphor or the safe container Another. or um, yeah. so many different metaphors. List is literally endless. Yes. And we use lots of metaphor when we're speaking on the podcast. So hopefully you also glean Mm -hmm. some of our favorite metaphors because we tend to bring them up over and over again in our episodes. We like to share them. Oh, where do we land? How do we wrap up, Jordan? I hope you were just as excited about using metaphors as we are and that it doesn't, I hope that it's not this intervention that you see it as. And instead it's just so embedded in the way that you're interacting with clients, or at least that it becomes that way, that it's about creating resonance and meaning and connection using images and metaphor. And so I guess this is an invitation for you to be open to that. And rather than get into what is the right concept, like theoretical concept I should apply to this attachment theory, like, okay, well, what's the, their, attachment style and instead go like what's accurate for how this person feels in this relationship and while those concepts are very useful clients can get that language and run with it and they feel like oh my gosh this you know wow look at all these people that resonate with the same experience I think you don't have to pressure yourself to knowing all those things and instead talk more um, personally with clients about what their experience is It's like I I feel like you can go into sessions and know things like the way that I do therapy Mm -hmm. is this metaphor, the way I would describe like this specific theoretical thing like attachment style, for example, Mm -hmm. but can't kind of preload metaphors for each individual client when they're talking about their own experience. You can't be like, okay, well, people talk about sadness. This is the metaphor that I use. It has to be like attuned and real and spontaneous with the client. So if you find yourself like trying to over prepare before you go into sessions, 
there's some space permission perhaps to like just wait for it to kind of naturally happen in the session mm-hmm. instead of trying to push it. Yeah, be open. You'll hear them if you listen for them. Oh, clients use metaphors so mm-hmm. and analogy and stories so mm-hmm. much that when we are just like, oh, I'll just wait for them to tell me what this is like, yeah. we often get it. Yeah. Mm. Thanks for listening. Great episode. Yeah. yeah. Very energizing conversation. Um, we don't normally ask for this, but it would be amazing if you could give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I'm feeling very self-conscious listen. about my voice because we've gotten some feedback recently about our voices. And so it would be nice <laughs> to get some some other feedback about uh, the content oh, and, and that sort the of thing. Yeah, yeah, the content and mm-hmm. what you'd like to see. We get so many amazing DMs. We really do. Put it in a review. <laughs> yeah, if you can take that exact message you yeah. send us and put it in a review, it goes a long way to helping us grow and get to more people and do more of what we love to do. And you can also join us on Patreon. You can listen for those episodes that I talked about around my training about psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy and what that looks, what the current landscape looks like. Um, what are some of the episodes that we have recently? AI, how AI is going to change the landscape of therapy. AI. Oh, we played a game last week right. where we just asked each other like really deep questions and then gave our answers and it was hilarious. I told a really embarrassing story. So if you want to hear an embarrassing story. It was so funny. So we were playing um, the Esther Perel game, um, Where Should We Begin? And we were like, this is going to be fun and light. And then as we pulled cards, we're like, oh, this is <laughs> – these questions are actually very intense and require some vulnerability in sharing our answers. So that was if great. you're curious, you can head o- over to patreon.com slash edge of the couch. You can also join us for a consultation. So if you have some kind of like burning questions around your practice or what you're doing in therapy or how you're showing up right now and you really want to have some one-on-one, t- two-on-one time with us, um, you again, email or DM us or send a message on Patreon and ask to schedule that consultation. We do offer them for free. We do record them as Patreon episodes, um, but we also work to you know be anonymous um, if you don't want your name out there. So yeah, come and join us. Have a consult. We would love that. You can find us on Instagram at Edge of the Couch Pod. You can send us an email, connect at edgeofthecouch.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey there, this is Katie from the Jane team. Thanks for letting me pop into your episode today. If you're new to the name, Jane is an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features like admin scheduling, client-friendly online booking, customizable session notes, and an integrated payment solution called Jane Payments. And while these features can assist practitioners in managing their practices, Jane is more than just a software with helpful tools. Jane is also a reliable cloud-based software with a 99.99% uptime rate. This means that you can count on Jane to always show up for you, anywhere, anytime. Our support team is also here to help. We offer support through live chat, email, and phone. And we provide complimentary account setup consultations and free data imports. Feel free to reach out to us at any time. Come get to know Jane at jane.app forward slash mental health. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at connect at edgeofthecouch.com to tell us what you think, ask a question, or let us know what type of episode you'd love to hear. You can even send us a voice note for us to play in a future episode. You can support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, sharing the show with a friend, or supporting us on Patreon. 
Join us next time at The Edge of the Couch. Bye.